Greetings, comic book nerds, and welcome to episode 19 of the Polis Podcast, a bi-weekly show about comics, pop culture, and faith. My name is Chris Poirier, and with me as always is Hector. Welcome, Hector. Hi, and thanks for having me. I'm so glad to be here with you on this lovely show. I'm so glad that you're here as well. Well, we've got so much to get to this week, so go ahead, strap yourselves in, and prepare yourself for We've Got Comic Sign. Uh, better put the word out. I wish I could on make today, a neon sound effect. <laughs> the laser effect that goes right there. But on today's episode of The Pull List, we've got quite a show for you. We're going to hit the latest news. Doomsday Clock, just can't seem to keep it on schedule. Hellblazer is back. That's well, right, Why John do you think it's called Doomsday Clock? Yeah, it's because it's never going to end. More not zombies from Marvel, but also some zombies, so stay tuned for that, and so much more. All that, plus our polls from the last two weeks, and yours, this is the Pull List Podcast. Woo! <laughs> So diving right in, we do have an unbelievable amount of news from the last couple weeks. Um, and as people heard right at the top of the show, uh, Doomsday Clock number 11 slipping another month. So what was going to be a monthly went to an every other month, went to every other month, usually averages three to four months. So the current push puts number 11 in late August. So we are taking over unders on whether this series will actually finish in 2019 I'm going probably somewhere in first quarter 2020, maybe Doomsday Clock finally ends, which I guess puts it kind of on par with its original. I think Watchmen took 18 months to release, if not longer. We're we're past that, aren't we? Oh, oh, we're well past it. Well, no, I I have to do the math on that. See, that's not good. It's been going on. for. We started this in 2017. (laughs) Oh, man, it's true. I mean, we're we are only a few mere months away from our one year anniversary, so you know, maybe that's true. It could happen, but yeah. So, Doomsday Clock fans, hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it's kind of become a staple for us here at the Polis Podcast, and we just love keeping you up to date on what well isn't going to be in your poll. So, but you know what? Some really amazing things did go on in the last couple of weeks that we just have to mention. Um, we got an absolutely brand new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Did you see this? If you didn't, folks, issue 95, which unfortunately, good luck finding a copy now, but it is going the second print and you'll be seeing a lot of copies of it. But hold on to your socks, world. You're getting your first female turtle. And her Mm, name is... Are we, though? I I mean, supposedly. She's not the Um, first female turtle. Well, that's, that's that's what's being advertised. Um, hate to break it to you, but, uh, there was a live action Ninja Turtles show back on Fox forever ago that introduced a fifth turtle named Venus, as in Venus de Milo. That is interesting. I'm not sure where that falls in con- in the official continuity, however. So I mean, so but how to- official continuity is this, too? Because, I mean, it's not like we're on the original series or anything. No, but... We do have Kevin Eastman still being one of the co-creators and actually involved in the process. And IDW is the current license holder and it is part of the curtain continuity run. So it's not like it was one of the one-offs or any of the other things is this is current things. And they're saying, yep, this, this is the real deal. 
So Jenica and Yellow Mask is what we have in the current. Because uh, just uh, nineteen September nineteen ninety seven, Venus de Milo was the first female Ninja Turtle in the Ninja Turtles TV series. Um, the Ninja Turtles: The Next Mutation, and she wore a blue mask. Well, we'll have to pull twenty-two years together. later. Way to be the first female <laughs> Ninja Turtle, Janica. Womp womp. <laughs> Ooh. Well, but I, so now I. To be fair, I really enjoy the storyline. I enjoy what they're doing with it, and her design looks really cool. So, as a comic thing, I'm totally down for it. Yes, give me a female Ninja Turtle, but we can't pretend this horrible television series didn't exist. Because it did, can't, and it was the worst. Can't we though? Mm, I think I, don't know. I think we might have to dig back into some of our turtle fan base, and we may be able to bring some people that can bring some light to this one. So uh, we'll have to touch base with Kevin again, and if not, I can reach out to my buddy Ben Bishop, who's doing one of the second printing covers, and see if he wants to talk a little bit about uh, where the turtle franchise currently is. So write that one down. We're gonna have to reach out there to Ben. Yeah, and see let, when let's he's got just some see time. if Venus counts because. If my understanding, Venus counts, but whatever. Turtles, there's all kinds of craziness going on there. But wait, there's so much more. Uh, Not more. Yeah, no, if you couldn't believe it, there's so much more in terms of comics and newness, or kind of new, and that's that with the collapse of Vertigo over at DC and some other products going back to print. So Sandman universe, Neil Gaiman's had his not an imprint, but a label, I guess is what DC is deciding to call these subtitled books under the main line has Sandman universe. And we've just found out that Hellblazer, that's right. John Constantine is finally going to return in an ongoing underneath the Sandman label. So I think it was six months ago, maybe a little longer ago now Hellblazer was a Rebirth title, started right at number one with the Rebirth Universe relaunch and everything. Only ran, I think, into the mid-teens before that book got canceled. And Constantine fans everywhere shed at least a single tear. But fear not, Hellblazer is returning. Not a lot of details as of right now, but we do know that the Hellblazer himself is returning. So hopefully that's a good sign because I know DC has said publicly they're trying to ease the pain of the announcement of Vertigo being shuttered, that this is part of the move to remind us that the characters are still here. They still have a home. So hopefully all of us can just cross our fingers and toes. And that means that we're getting Swamp Thing back at some point in the not too distant future as well, because I think Constantine's a super cool comic book character, but I really want Swampy back in writing. I can't be the only one. Maybe? No? Maybe? I mean, but <laughs> seriously, it, I don't know. Swamp Thing has been really nice to sprinkle into other things, though. That's true. The one-off done a while back with Batman was probably one of the best one-shots done in a while. The Swamp Thing winner special from a year ago was really good. Okay, that's compelling. I'll yeah, and... And it was also uh, he w- he had a run in Tom King. Or that's the one you're talking about. The one shot with yeah, Tom there was King. a one shot. Yep. Yeah, um, but uh, also the uh, his presence in Batman Damned was good. You know, he's been you know in and out of the like, Justice League dark stuff. So I meant he's been around, but I, I also wouldn't mind. And I you know I think people are finally kind of getting. 
getting well acquainted with him on the level of a DC universe and they're getting more like, oh, this guy can be cool. Uh, so maybe maybe no, they're going to pick that up a little more. I think that's absolutely the case because I, I'm typically not leaning in on the horror-ish side of comics or just content, but small plug, the, the DC Universe show has been really good, and I really hope that cancellation isn't really real, or by the end of all this, the ratings are going to be solid enough that we get another season of it because... I'm like, that's right. Swampy's totally awesome. And this is just doing a better job of reminding me that. Well, so. here's the whole deal. I don't even think that Vertigo... I, I'm I'm looking big picture and with the stuff we're seeing at San Diego and the stuff we're hearing in the news and everything else. I don't think this is just a Vertigo issue. I think this is Warner Brothers streamlining all of their content to fit compactly into their services. And I think that's where it's going to end up. I think, you know, getting rid of Vertigo... Um, help them streamline and say, look, here's DC. We shall see. That seems to certainly be one of the implications. And though it wasn't one of the things that made my list for the week, we can mention it real quick here is as we get ready for San Diego here in the near future, the main thing that was kind of interesting is DC is not going to have a quote-unquote DC Comics booth. The booth is registered and bannered supposedly for the main floor of San Diego as Warner Brothers. Now, so there, there are DC banners up, and it is oh sure, it is much but, a DC booth. But here's the thing, man. I think I think once again, DC is chasing Marvel's tail, and I hate that. But they're going to combine uh, all of their content via Disney and everything like that to make it more of that label. And what Marvel... I think... Now, first of all, I think DC Universe as an app and as a thing was a well-done stroke. I consider it a complete success. I've had it since the inception, and I've loved it. But as many of you that listen to this know, I'm a fanboy, and you don't remind, don't mind telling me. Um, uh... <laughs> I I think they were on the right track, but now seeing what Disney plans to do, I think Warner Brothers is moving in response, and Warner Brothers is going to do the same thing. So I think we're going to end up with something where we get all the Harry Potter books and all the DC Comics books and everything else on a service along with Marvel, or not Marvel, but Warner content, um, so they can streamline it and sell it all to us. So we get HBO and... DC and Harry Potter and all these things conveniently wrapped to try and keep up with where Marvel's going. Well, stay tuned nerds of geeks of every stripe, because we're pretty sure we're going to find out a ton of stuff as San Diego finally unveils and we start having panels and all the news and all the big announcements start coming that we'll just be drowning in new information here, probably by the next episode. So we'll go ahead and move right along with the podcast because you know, we could spend the next 45 minutes pontificating on what San Diego may deliver us, but it's so close that we can just, we can wait to see what's happening. So kind of the last few things that I have that I saw that was interesting in the news is Marvel is gearing up to get us a couple things in the fall. I uh, have heard heavy rumors. I think it's been confirmed that Marvel zombies will be back. So I think that makes for part five of Marvel zombies. So some folks are holding their breath to see if now that The Walking Dead has wrapped itself up. Oops, spoiler. Uh, we'll talk about that 
here in a minute, um, that Robert Kirkman may return for. Yeah, it's kind of not a spoiler. You you missed it. Um, but yeah, so Zombies Part 5 possibly coming. Pretty much no information. But what has been announced is a five-part weekly uh, starting in October called Contagion, which isn't zombies, but all the art looks kind of zombie-ish. But yeah, so Contagion, it's going to be some type of virus thing released in the Marvel Universe and kind of tears It's more 28 everything. days later. Yeah, it's it's definitely got the twenty eight later days later vibe, or you know, deceased. Vi- oh wait, no. Oh, it right. looks exactly like deceased. What? N- not not exactly, but it is a five part mini with the universe just kind of okay. Anyway, um, so Marvel, you're getting your shot at some type of strange disease tearing through all of your favorite um, folks coming in October, and so. I guess I guess we should spend at least a millisecond on it, as we said. If you have been living under a nerd-sized rock or haven't been anywhere near the internet in the last three weeks, it means that you don't know that The Walking Dead just up and ended in their latest issue, issue 193. And Hector and I, I think we both agree because we've talked about it off-air, um, like golf clap, like golf, golf clap, um that Robert Kirkman just completely faked out the entire industry complete with solicitations through the next three, um, issues. I think that that was my favorite part. We're never going to be done that they, they, it looks pretty clear that 193 was the planned end, or at least at some point in the recent months became the planned end because it became an 80 page monster, which supposedly did include some of those issues. Um, that didn't get published. And then a six page letter from Robert basically saying, I, I kind of started this all crazy, like, and it's gone up and down and done things. So it couldn't possibly be more me or more image or more walking dead than to hot, just kidding the end. And you know, it, it was kind of fun. Um, I won't spoil it for anyone. There's lots of neat stuff there, but Robert said he was, eventually going to that rick dying spoiler again but i'm sorry i'm not sorry at this point um you you would know that the end is near because that was always designed to kind of be the thread that he pulls to bring this universe together and yep just out of nowhere 193 that was it all the way to the point of comic book stores kind of were finding out just as it was hitting their shelves image kind of they held this one real close and great job on everyone's behalf that that literally is the most comic book thing that happened in the last couple of years and good, good on everybody that they kept that secret that close. Like the week of really was everyone going, wait, what? So for the walking dead, if you've been a fan, you know, 193 was the end of that. But far as we know, they're going to be shows, etc., until the end of time, apparently. Because they're like, don't worry, we're we're gonna milk that one for all it's worth. Well, plus but, they've got three Rick Grimes movies coming, <laughs> right? So they're gonna be printing that Walking Dead money for a while. But last week, it finally the the book ended, just short of two hundred issues, but in a perfect little package to bring you the fourth compendium, so you can have four monster-sized books, most of which need to be classified as weapons in most states because of how much they weigh. But, yeah, so four compendiums gets you the entire Walking Dead thing once Compendium 4 finally drops. So, 
well done. Um, like I said, that was a that was a golf clap all the way. And then finally, I think it's something that Hector and I have we've seen at conventions how wonderful the cosplay community can be, and also the cosplay community has the double edged sword of people say things that they shouldn't say, take pictures of things they shouldn't take pictures of. And for some unknown reason, um, CBR, one of the many um, comic book resources, uh, news websites out there, ran an absolutely atrocious article a few days ago now. And it literally was like a top 10 photos of cosplayers that shouldn't cosplay and it was nothing but straight up cosplay shaming and bleeding cool. Another one of the many online resources for finding, (laughs) finding comic book news, but you have to understand why Hector's laughing right now. Bleeding cool has a history for sure. They're really quick to get comic book news to us, but they're kind of unapologetic for when they mess things up or stirring the pot. They, they poke a lot. So a lot of us, They they don't just poke the bears. Right. They They smack it as hard as they can. (laughs) But this time around actually came out on the end of self-righteousness that I I think is well-founded and was like, wow, CBR, (laughs) you just did what? And, uh, you know, it, I, the article is going to be in the links, but the bottom line here is, Cosplay is supposed to be about the enjoyment of making the costumes, enjoying the fact that you can dress up as the characters that you love and go to a con and enjoy yourself no matter what. And for the most part, in most con environments, that's exactly what you're going to see and get from people that attend, from the community itself. And this is just a completely unfortunate event in cosplay. And just, I don't have any words for it, man. I I know I shared it with you and I was like what what am I reading? No, but I mean it's to see a quote unquote mainstream nerd site feel like hey, what's going on in the world? We should bash cosplayers and body shame them. I'm like, yeah, let's tear apart a bunch of people that have done a lot of work. Most people work really hard on their stuff and the community has always been supportive. Ugh. Ugh. No, it was it was <sighs> super duper bad taste and uh but yeah, don't do that. Um Yeah, don't don't do that. We see you. Um you're never gonna see that on Love Land Nerd. Um <laughs> No you will not and, or Faith and Fandom or any of our other stuff. That's that's not our rodeo. Um but real talk. Uh we don't need to be those people. Uh we don't need to be those people as uh nerds we don't need to be those people as the fandom community we super don't need to be those people as the faith community and it's just a bad look all around that's a bad look for humanity don't do that don't be those no. people if we we're here to celebrate each other's fandom and be able to support people in just in loving the things that we love so you know this is this is just a friendly well, that's reminder the thing. they were celebrating what they love which is not being nice to people so so be nice, be nice to people, okay? I'll be nice. Be, be nice, <laughs> um, and enjoy cosplay and enjoy your fandom, and and enjoy the nerds around you. We, ugh, it's just a downer. Don't be those people. 
don't do it. And so that's that's what we got for the news to end on such a high point of the industry doing such wonderful things. Because we're so classy. <laughs> we, we classy. Don't worry about it. Um, and we're always keeping track of all the wonderful news wires. So just be ready. Next episode is going to be probably a San Diego Comic-Con complete information dump. So be prepared to fill your ear holes with everything San Diego come next time. So moving right along with the wonderful podcast today, Hector, tell me what did you have within your polls in the last two weeks? And there was a lot of really cool stuff. So there's a lot. You, so we're going to, we're going to keep it lively here. Um, we're going to do it. Uh, Batman and the outsiders. Number three, really enjoyed that. Um, I'm, I'm liking the vibe. I'm liking the team dynamic. And, um, one of the things like, uh, you get to see the, this new powered character that they're interested. There's a new character that, uh, Ra's al Ghul is interested in and is trying to turn her from Batman's uh, influence to his. And he's training her in that capacity. Um, but you also see um, Batman actually putting effort into training his new team. Um caring about them not just physically and conditioning wise but actually societally and emotionally you get to see batman actually like investing in people that aren't just his random teenage people that live in a cave um so it's nice to see that and uh i've just i've enjoyed it it's only three issues deep at this point and uh even though it's only three issues deep i think it's high quality and um it's it's probably one of my Oh, hold on. Check. Yeah, no, it's my no. it's my favorite Batman book right now. Um, okay. Uh yeah, had to it's only 3 issues deep. Uh but more so than Batman Who Laughs, more so than uh what we're doing with Batman on Tom King's run right now, which I'm about to hit. Um mm-hmm. you know, I it's it's probably the most satisfying Batman book right now. Um that's pretty high praise considering you are the number one DC fanboy. We're yeah. just going to hashtag that now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, actually, you can't. Let's just go ahead and hashtag it Warner Brothers fanboy. Um, but whatever. That was <laughs> Warner really Brothers. honest. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't love Harry Potter and Game of Thrones like I love Batman, <gasps> though, so stop it. Oh, okay. okay. You know, stop. Um, but all that being said, Tom King's run on Batman... We have reached issue 74, and we have finished whatever this title of this series was. Um, and next issue starts City of Bane, which is Batman returning to Gotham to take on Bane and all these things. But we had this crazy, went through the desert on a horse with no name situation um, going Lots on. Lots of singing. Where, there yeah, was singing. There was singing. And I'm sad that it wasn't that song. Um, it's valid. Uh but we had a, a we had Thomas and Bruce going through the desert on a horse and uh with the prepen- with the plan to do some real crazy shenanigans um that would have changed a lot and um and do, is it is it fair game to discuss this at this point can i talk about the things that okay, didn't happen okay i think the last time that we covered one of these issues we said we wouldn't talk about what was in the coffin but that was now one episode, two episodes ago. So at a minimum, it was an episode ago, which means, spoiler alert, 
I think it's time that we finally talk about what the coffin was. Okay, so Thomas Wayne's plan was to finally alleviate Bruce's trauma, which, you know, you 40, dude, let it go. Um, but to alleviate, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> alleviate Bruce's trauma that's causing him to be Batman, that he would reunite their family. So he had dug up Martha Wayne's corpse and was going to take it to the most hot, like high-powered Lazarus pit in the world yep. so that Martha Wayne could come back and they'd be united. Which, first of all, can I just say that this is a ridiculous piece of planning on Tom King's part. And mm, I, Those are strong words, but bear with me. This Thomas Wayne, this exact Thomas Wayne that's doing these shenanigans is the same Thomas Wayne who his Martha turned into the Joker in that's Flashpoint. That's a really good point. Um, oh. <laughs> so if, if his personal Martha, the love of his life, Martha, turned into the Joker, I don't see him being the one vying to bring a Martha, a long dead Martha, back to life. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe and he yet, and yet here we are. And here we are. Maybe I'm wrong because it's the fact that he misses a not bananas Martha. Um and that he's doing it for himself. But I just don't see that as being a logical point that a guy who had literally just watched his wife be his worst enemy would be bringing him bringing her back from the dead. But whatever else, we get to this story that happened and you know Batman does some Batman-ish, and, uh, you know, that story's over, and now Bruce is on his way to take down Bane. Um, thank flippin' God that we're done with this, because I have invested way too much of my time and life in nightmares, and deserts, and horses, and I just want this story to be over. This was a pretty amazing place for, like, these two back-to-back pretty obscure storylines that end up and of course now granted we know this wasn't the plan right but there's only 11 issues until this is over well five, no it's 10 now because 74 yeah so math soon number 85 is is supposedly the new end and not 100 so i have to imagine things pick up a little bit they have to because i think he's going to have to seriously like jump over all um, the filler stuff and supplemental stuff. And I think we're going to get all of that stuff in this new book that he's going to drop. But, yeah, it's going to have to go pretty fast. Yeah, so there, there's a lot going on there. And, but either way, yeah, the this entire desert sequence for Batman and and Dad and, well, Mom, uh, weird, um, was, was pretty weird. So, yep, good. That happened. What else you got? <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's the thing. So, if you've been listening to this, you know that I didn't quit reading The Walking Dead very long ago. Um, that it was just six issues ago that I stopped reading, reading The Walking Dead because I felt like it wasn't going anywhere. Womp womp. Fool you. Uh, <laughs> got him! Uh... That's the thing, and well done, Kirkman, uh, because you got me. I am my problem. Here's one of the things: if you if you go back and well, I don't, I couldn't even remotely tell you what podcast it was, but one of the podcasts I said 
that I didn't want to keep reading because this felt like it was Alexandria all over again. Um, and I felt like we were doing the same thing again. Well, what's really, really funny is like when you read Kirkman's letter, um, it he literally at the, said that. He literally said that, that it was Alexandria all over again because his original plan was to end it way back at Alexandria. But then he realized it was going too well and they couldn't, you know, and that they had to keep going, that he had run out of where he had the story planning. So it literally is deja vu that they're back in this exact spot. So, you know, when I saw this, I'm like, well, Poop, let me get the six issues I didn't buy and read it. And I got to say, I'm sad I didn't keep going. But if I would have had to, you know, I'm, uh, let me say that I'm sad I didn't keep going with six issues left. But if I'd had to read another 48 issues of this, I would have lost my mind. Um, if it was going in that same direction. But they actually moved to a well done conclusion. Um, Rick goes out in a very Rick way, but not overly ridiculous way. Like, it's like, oh, Okay. Um, but what's great is he doesn't do anything out of character. I think, I think it's one of the things that I enjoyed is that they ended Rick Grimes well. Um, because, you know, he, he wasn't a mess, a messianic figure. He was just a guy that constantly reminded people to keep pushing and to keep fighting. And that fought against stuff that sucked. And when you look at that, one of the things that I've always seen is that The Walking Dead is one of the best books for leadership. Um, I've written a few devotionals about it. I've talked about it a lot. But if you just take leadership lessons you learn from Rick, Negan, the governor, and others that you see in here, I think there's like a whole course for business management in this and for life in general. I think there's a lot of stuff we can learn from and, um, to see how everything played out. Cause you know, the last issue is really just them jumping ahead a few years after Rick's death and seeing where the world is. And that's nice. If you're a fan of parks and recreation, they parks and recreation did, um, where, uh, the last bit of the, show season series whatever is fast forwarding to see how everything kind of turns out and um so that was nice and it was encouraging and i feel like doing that gave us closure really well but if they had done this when they originally planned it we would have missed some of the best characters in like negan and what they did with that stuff um so I'm grateful it kept going and it ended well. So I read uh, all in one time. I read uh, Walking Dead 186 through 193. That was dope. And then I also read Doom Patrol number one, which is not a number one, but uh, <laughs> it is straight up like issue 13 or something. Um, it even says it on one of the pages. But oh man, I, I don't want to be the Doom Patrol thing. It is the most Doom Patrol thing. Um, but I gotta say this and. Um, I'm hoping this isn't super douchey in my delivery or that it's the wrong attitude in saying it because I mean this wholeheartedly in kindness. Um, so 
I don't think if me just talking is going to make it sound better when I actually say it. Um, probably not. But, um, oh, man. Uh, you're you're uh, about to say something not so good. It's not that it's bad. It's just, you know. Uh, not good? Hold on. I wanted to double check one thing before I say this. Uh, yeah, so here's the thing. I feel like Gerard Way is better with Doom Patrol than he is with Umbrella Academy. Okay. Nope. I, I okay, keep going. I'm tracking. Um that I feel like the work he does with the page of like laying things out, like the little subtle hints and the little things, I feel like that stuff is there in umbrella but i feel like he just has a better voice and grasp and delivery on doom patrol than he does with his own creator content no Um, i think i actually i'll agree with you there is like he seems even though umbrella academy is you know his original ip which is gonna make what i'm about to say really strange um for whatever reason, in Doom Patrol, it's like he has a better grasp of how weird it's supposed to be, but functional at the same time. And I've always kind of did the same thing of looking at... He's really good at calling Doom Patrol back to itself, which is very Doom Patrol. It's very Grant Morrison. And then just being so flipping off the wall. Um, but at the same time, somehow making sense in that universe just is done better in that book. And maybe that's just because he's totally into it and, like, Umbrella Academy is a thing. And I I don't know. It's just weird to balance the two against each other because it's the same writer. But Doom Patrol with a depth and breadth of stuff to pull from seems to just stick together better. Yeah, and to be fair, I feel like I have – I'll say this. I have a better appreciation and grasp of Doom Patrol – now after watching the series because here's the deal i read doom patrol comics and interactions with them long before i saw the series um but i have a much better voice and appreciation for the comic after seeing the series and so i think that that makes a difference because i don't know and i think which is why you know dc renumbered it number one um, or put it out as number one is because there's a new audience out there that actually can invest and care in this. Um, yeah, I, I think it's that. And it's also the issue of they're kind of going to renumbering story arcs at young animal is kind of what it looks like. Cause remember there's, there's a long subtitle to this particular series, which is really just going to be the discussion of this, um, story arc. So, I don't know. There's a lot of companies that are doing renumbering for arcs now. Um, I don't know how much I love it or hate it, but here we are. But that that's just the biggest thing is like I really – and I, the Doom Patrol stuff just – it felt organic and it felt right and it felt like it's in the right hands. And so if you remotely enjoyed watching Doom Patrol on DC Universe, go ahead and pick up this issue. Um it helps if you've read Doom Patrol in the last Young Animal era, but I gained, you know, I felt a little more at ease just coming into when they did that Milk War thing. Um, like, there were characters that I met during that that fit organically in here. 
we're back on the crazy bus. Well, back on riding the Yeah, Danny and I was like, ambulance? oh, wait. I was like, oh, wait. Danny's the bus? That's great. Yep. Yep. Danny went from a street to a bus. Fantastic. And still interdimensional travel is possible. So it's all kinds of utter insanity and craziness. But that's Doom Patrol. So what you read? What I am reading is I've got a couple things, but the main one that I want to get for folks is The Wild Storm, which Warren Ellis um, had put together a 12, a, well, sorry, 24 part um, kind of retelling of the Wildstorm universe and pulling a bunch of pieces back together back at DC. And it ended at issue 24. I think it was week before. And it was just super fun. So if you remember the Wildstorm and all the craziness from the 90s with Jim Lee and all that, this was a super fun ride at being introdu- reintroduced introduced to that universe and what that looks like today under DC Comics. And it was wrapped up in a pretty little package, and 24 was, was fun. It The entire thing was fun. So if you're waiting... I'm sure a complete collected edition will that of that will drop in the not too distant future, and it's setting up immediately to go back into getting us back into the Wildcats books. So you're gonna see Wildcats again, and so if you're just a crazy '90s nerd like I am and are just kind of interested in what this whole thing looks and feels like, pick up the Wildstorm, read it. Warren Ellis did an excellent job. The art is great. All your favorite characters are there and represented in all the craziness that is the wild storm and just know this fall it'll be picking right back up with the wildcats so the, everything from the wild 90s is new again loose i guess um so foil covers and all that if there's not a foil cover of wildcats i'm just i'm, I'm out but and is it going to have like a little foil trading card on the cover if it doesn't, I feel like Jim Lee just missed an opportunity. But we'll see what happens. Um, and Man, Jim fun... Lee art in the 90s, dude. It was life. Right. It's life. Um, but that's not it. What? Ah, I, I was just looking over my list, and I'm like, DC Comics, DC Comics, DC Comics. Dang. Um, anyway, um, Lois Lane, that's, number it's one. It's almost like they're doing something right. It's crazy. <laughs> Oops. Sorry, y'all. Look, the new X-Men books are coming out soon. We'll we'll have to read those when they come out. So we'll have something to say then. But for now, Lois Lane, oh, wait. number one. Savage Avengers number three was really good. That happened. Oh, Carry uh, on. Hector said something nice about Marvel again. Again, I did. write this date down. I'm, I'm really enjoying Savage Avengers number three, and I like the direction that they're taking. And I like the interactions. Go. Aw, that's wonderful. Um. But yes, so again, Lois Lane number one came out. Mike Perkins doing art. Mike is awesome, and this book is pretty and gorgeous. But it's not just that it's pretty and gorgeous. It's a detective slash investigative reporter slash Watergate deep throat type story. It's it's still being set up, but it's really fun. And I honestly didn't expect Lois Lane to have this flavor. Because if you go back and look at what Lois Lane um, books used to be, they were kind of pop culture, frilly, lots of pastel colors. Well, dude, this is the guy that gave us Renee Montoya as the question. And yeah. Um, yeah. nobody does <laughs> detective stories better than Greg Rucka since Denny O'Neill. Yep. Boom. And, and especially female-driven 
detective stories. This is his this is his rodeo, man. Yep, and it's so good. So if that is your jam and that's what you're looking for, you need to pick it up because it was a great setup and it's pretty. Rucka is already weaving a great story. And let's just take a moment right now to say if you are not appreciating how much of the question you are getting across all DC comics right now, I, I don't know if we can be friends because I, wow, there's lots of the question and I feel like they're all going somewhere. Cause I don't think it's an accident that the question suddenly is like back in our lives, like in a lot of different places, but not a lot of details about the presence of the question. So but it's just also, interesting to me. On that note, what makes me sad is I miss Renee. Aw. Well, you're not wrong. <laughs> I miss Renee. Renee we'll was see, a great the question. We'll see where it all goes. Just and correct me if I'm wrong. Has Renee showed up in Rebirth? I am not sure, actually, off the top of my head. Me either, which says something. So probably not. Probably not, but we could be wrong. Sometimes that happens. Let's see what else. Uh, Batman Universe number one is one worth mentioning this week. Batman Universe number one is finally the comic book shop version of the Walmart specials and all that stuff that was going on. And I am so unbelievably happy to see an entire Batman issue that is nothing but Nick Darrington art. Nick is a super awesome dude. I love Nick. We commissioned Nick to do our Batman 50 cover back at Ultimate Comics while I was manager there. And despite the contents of issue 50 being an utter disaster, I still love the cover that he did for us. Hey, there Um, were nice things in it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I I really do dig um, seeing an entire Batman issue from Nick. And it was really fun because I also love Riddler stories. And so far, this is like a pretty awesome Riddler story. So, uh. I think the only other thing I had in my poll was Event Leviathan is still going on. We're still playing the Who is Leviathan game. and Or are we? Ha-ha. Yeah, or <laughs> are we? Words, words. So it's it's fun. If you're, I still, Alex Maleev is doing incredible art for this. So it's worth picking up if you like some really dark. Again, DC's telling a lot of detective-based stories right now, which is really great. So... Those are most of my polls for this week. Like I said, hopefully in the coming weeks, you probably will hear more Marvel titles in there. Sorry, not sorry that it's kind of worked out this way the last couple of weeks. But um, X-Men is finally coming up from Hickman. So I am looking forward to hopefully reading some of those books. But just so you know, from our community, every Wednesday, we're always seeking folks to tell us what we're not reading and Adam Elliott, who is usually referenced here because he does tons of reading and writing and tells us wonderful things that we should be reading, um, said we should be reading Young Justice, and Young Justice just hit number seven, so it's a new starting point in the arc. So if you've missed out on Bendis's kind of reboot of the Young Justice, apparently seven is the place to jump in. So thanks, Adam, for giving us something to read. Adam usually is yelling at us to read Marvel. So the fact he's given us a DC book this week makes me feel kind of warm and fuzzy inside. But we'll make, we'll be good on that, Adam, and we'll definitely be reading some of the X-Men books that you have been repetitively informing us that we need to be prepared for. So you can join us anytime at the Love Thy Nerd community on Facebook. Just search for Love Thy Nerd community and you can join in on the conversation each and every day. But every Wednesday we have a long conversation about new books that come out. And you could be mentioned right here on this wonderful podcast. So 
hey, kind bef- of getting bef- yo hmm? before we go okay can I, can I make my Leviathan prediction can I do that mm. it's strictly speculation can I do it though? yep all right, all right. So. Spo- spoilers kids if you're if you're uh, let's, let's if you're not, not ready for this it's, yes, but it's still a theory based on some of the information that we know. So go okay, ahead. Okay, okay. So uh, much of Leviathan 2 is pontification that Jason Todd, the Red Hood, is in fact Leviathan, which I call a great and hearty shenanigans on. Um, Just based on reading Jason Todd books, like all of them, there is no way this fits into any continuity of who he is in this storyline. Unless they're pulling it straight out of Uranus. Um, or Mars. Or Jupiter. Oh my. Or, or any other planet. Um, anywhere but, in the Milky Way. Anywhere in the Milky Way. Um, but. It is my. Uh, speculation. Based just on what I read in issue 2. And what I've seen in the DC Universe. That it is 100% true that leviathan is rick slash dick grayson you heard it telling you it's here rick slash dick grayson is leviathan he's got the same training and the same skills and the same spy association that they were assuming with jason but he with his uh bullet wound in the head slash memory loss maybe he doesn't just have memory loss maybe he has split personalities whatever maybe he's uncovered something in himself but i'm telling you right here you heard it issue episode issue 19 of the pull list podcast months before it's answered i'm telling you dick grayson is leviathan carry on all right. Well, we're going to hold that to you, but as of right now, that is the official Hector storm warning call game lock of the week of the century. Am I allowed to say that? Is that trend? Anyway, um, you know, that's going to be the call. So we can keep reading event Leviathan and see who in fact is this crazy new person who probably isn't new at all and what's happening. So, yep. We're, there were a ton of awesome comics and just a lot going on in the last couple of weeks. We've pretty much burned up most of our time just talking about some awesome stuff going on. But I think, to be fair, we need to give folks a little bit of a heads up about San Diego Comic-Con, which is coming up here in the near future. And instead of doing just like a straight-up San Diego Comic-Con preview, kids, I got a treat for us. And I had nothing to do with it. But Hector, my wonderful co-host is actually going to San Diego. And Hector, I think you should kind of give us an idea of how your travels to San Diego kind of came about and what you'll be doing there so we can be on the lookout in our next episode about your shenanigans out there on the West Coast and also just San Diego in general. Sweet. Um, So, by the grace of God and the Fellowship of Geeks, um, I am going to go to San Diego this summer. Uh, as a panelist um, for a few panels and this is one of those things I never thought would happen that I'd even go let alone that I'd be on a stage somewhere talking Um, but there is an organization called the hold on there's letters um, Christian Comic Artists Society Christian Comic Artist Society, yeah, CCAS, um, and they host panels on 
spiritual content and comics. Um, for years, they've done full-blown chapel and church services. This year, it's going to be an open discussion. Um, uh, but they have like they have a whole track basically, um, and I'm one of the panelists. And a, a large part of that is due to the awesome folks over at Geeky Guys and Gals for God, um, a very similar uh, hearted and minded uh, organization to what we do, uh, both at Faith and Fandom and Love Thy Nerd. And those cool folks uh, helped make it possible to get me out there. So I get to be on a panel with like one of the writers and of GI Joe and uh, the, the person that made the action Bible and uh, like the guy who runs Bongo comics, like the Simpsons based comic brand and all these other things and uh, talk about faith and the con in the nerd community doing the stuff we do all the time. But uh, I get to do it at San Diego and super crazy grateful for this whole opportunity so i've got a function friday night saturday night and sunday night of san or sunday morning of san diego so that's totally happening um in fact i leave in like three days to go do that so i'll i'll be back from san diego by the time well no i'll this will play yeah so depending on when you listen to this i'll either be on the way to san diego or back but either way that's totally happening right there you go so what what are a couple of the panels what's kind of the cross-section of what they've asked you to do because i'm kind of curious and some of our folks may be curious as well you know what types of things do you usually discuss when panels get pulled together for conventions like this well usually especially if it's just like spiritual content and panels it's places that you can see uh, not just scripture or Jesus references, but solid spiritual themes um, in comics. Uh, like I mentioned a few minutes ago with like The Walking Dead and leadership, that's one thing. I know that one of the things I'll be talking about is like Tom King's run um, with Batman, with stuff like the Cold Days arc and uh, the Joker and the church scene, things like that. But um, also just some of the stuff we see in like Serenity. But it's how the the aspects we've seen in Daredevil. Um, not just the on the nose stuff either of like the easy things, but the stuff that we've seen in our fandoms that have encouraged us to do it, but also talking about like the climate spiritually around comics and comic culture and, um, the panel titles of what I'm doing. Uh, there's the open meeting, which is what was the church service last year. Um, there is one panel on spiritual themes in comics. Um, and even by, and what's funny, if you go to the San Diego website and go to, uh, the, um, schedule and search my name, you can pull up panels. That's so fun. Um, but as even, um, the, the, I'm not even remotely jealous about that. <laughs> <laughs> my name's on the San Diego website. It's super dope. Um, but you know, the theme, like, spiritual themes in comics continues the always lively discussion of spiritual themes in comics, television, and movies. The panel delves into how spirituality influences the entertainment industry and, in turn, impacts the culture's perception of spiritual influences. Um, it's the 23rd year of the spiritual themes in comics panel. 23 years, yo, um, of doing this. And, um, yeah, that's totally the vibe of it. And that's the thing. What... When I started with Faith and Fandom and everything else, I felt like nobody was doing this. And when, in fact, this has been going on for decades on the other side of the world um, from me. Uh, so that's the thing. God places uh, these kind of 
things on people's hearts in different areas to accomplish different goals like he does in many other things. But either way, I'm super pumped to be a part of this. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm heading out and I'm looking forward to I've already talked to some folks from here that I'm going to be meeting up with there. Um, but just to be able to be a part of that presence in that community is going to be great. Yeah, absolutely. It's a heck of an opportunity and also a great opportunity for you to be able to walk around that monstrous floor and take cool pictures of stuff so the rest of us could live vicariously through you through the next couple um, weeks and months and all that. So um, it's probably a good idea for some of our folks to know where they can find you on probably the Instagram would be a great place for you to just shoot a bunch of pictures. So what what was your Instagram again, just so we can all rather shamelessly follow you around San Diego next week? Uh, it's a uh, faith and fandom, all lowercase, no spaces, all spelled out. Not an ampersand, just faith and fandom. Um, photos will go up there. Uh, photos will go up on the faith and fandom Facebook page. And uh, if you're a Snapchat person, I will be doing stuff at Ninja Shepherd, and that's um, Shep Heard, not Hard, because that's how we really spell it, yo. Um, so S H E P E R D. Um, S-H-E-P-H-E-R-D. There we go. Can't spell. Sorry. But yeah. There so you, sna- yeah, that's good. That's totally where you'll be able to find me and all of the things happening. And, um, you know, it, it's going to be a blast. I'm, I haven't even looked into the fun stuff or, or actually doing these things. Because that's one of the things, too, is like when you get opportunities like this, you don't want people to be disappointed. So the entire the entire time I'm thinking about this is like I need to not suck at whatever I'm doing because they're sending me out here. <laughs> um, so I haven't even looked at the schedule of things, but like uh, one thing, you know, DC. I'm gonna go to the DC Warner Brothers booth and I'm gonna get some stuff because uh, cool fun fact they have exclusive posters that you can get by being a DC Universe subscriber. Um, only. DC Universe subscribers can get them. And I'm super pumped. And, you know, I'm going to come home with... I'm legit going to have to, like, mail a bag of Funko Pops home so that I don't take them on the airplane. But uh, I don't have any aspirations of meeting celebrities or things like that. But the coolest... you know, I know I'm going to get around to that when I'm there. But the, the biggest thing is that I'm excited to be able to do some Jesus stuff at a show. Um, at, at the show. And, and even on top of it, this is the 50th year of all the cool times to get to go. I'm going on the 50th year of San Diego. Um, so I get to represent faith and Jesus and church and love thy nerd and faith and fandom and all those things. And my mama, I get to represent all these things at San Diego. And I'm officially quitting as soon as I get back because I don't have anywhere to go after this. Okay, um, whoa, whoa. He's not leaving the podcast. Not not leaving the podcast. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, um, why? Um, this is why I'm, we can't have nice things. No, this is what gonna, ha- This is when people of faith sell out. We just go home. Yeah, we just go home. We're done. We can't accomplish anything. God's done. Um, We're out. But no. So I mean, and it's the cool thing doing these things like at San Diego is big. Um, but on a small scale, I was at a show in um, Knoxville, Tennessee this past weekend called Fanboy Expo. And it's a decently sized show. There was like a pretty decent amount of celebrities and stuff like that. But um, they had a full-blown church service at that show. And um, I realized it's the first 
church service at a Comic-Con I've been to that I wasn't running it. Um, so I could straight up walk in, sit down, hear a full sermon, and they did the full praise and worship thing and preached a message. And they actually preached a message on people being hateful to people at Comic-Cons. So it was pretty cool. Oh, um, wow. You know that uh one meme that floats through the internet that uh uh if your religion causes you to hate people you need a new religion um and they basically use that they use the meme as the basis for their thing but you know it's talking about like the way we need to be loving in our cultures and all these things uh, basically you know using the stuff that we talked about earlier in the news to not be that um on a spiritual end but you know it was cool to sit back and do that and you know here's the deal there was this was a smaller show and they're like uh, I'd say realistically there are like 30 people at this church service, but there were 30 people at a church service that took place an hour and a half before the show started. Oh, um, wow. So like they, their big thing is they want the vendors to be able to actually come in. Um, not just the attenders, the attendees can get in, but the vendors can come too. And then, you know, the Sunday after San Diego, I'm, going to be at GalaxyCon in Raleigh, North Carolina. And just this past weekend, they greenlit me to do a full-blown church service at GalaxyCon. And last year, I did a panel there, and it was the largest panel I've ever done. Um, hands down. Um, we did a Faith and Fandom panel there last year, and it was the biggest panel I'd ever done. And it was at 8.15 on a Friday night, or Saturday night, which made no sense to me at the time. Um, but, so, you know, it's it's really cool that we get to have these open doors and you know sometimes this stuff looks like chapel services and church services um sometimes this stuff looks like vendors and artists sometimes this stuff looks like uh passing out encouraging cards like the cosplay cards or the emergency d20s and stuff like that and lanyards and things like that uh, love thy nerd does you know these ministries all take on varying shapes and sizes and executions but the heart and the goal is to be a loving presence of God in a culture that needs it. And I'm really, really grateful that uh, I get to be a part of that. And like, uh, you know, I'm grateful I get to be a part of that with Faith and Fandom. I'm grateful I get to be a part of that with Love Thy Nerd. I'm grateful I get to be a part of this at San Diego. But I mean, all of these things matter. So I just encourage you. Um, my favorite Bible verse is Colossians 3.23. It's whatever you do, do it with your whole heart to God, not to man. I really encourage you, just you, not Chris, you listening. Um, not cause Chris has already forgotten this. He won't do it. He quit. What? Um, huh? <laughs> he moved to Columbus to be a pastor and stop working at Comic-Cons. Whoa, um, whoa. I, <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, Chris is going to Gen Con. Um, and you can support Chris's mission trip to Gen Con by following the link. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. <laughs> we don't we don't have to do that here, but um, no. no. No, just kidding, don't do that. Um but overall, y'all, for real, it's just let the stuff that you're passionate about flow into you being encouraging and to and loving to other people and their passions as well. Just saying. So no, lots of fun stuff ahead, and we're excited about it. Absolutely. And I think that's a great point. And for folks that have been listening to us for a while, you know, you hear us say the thing at the top that, you know, we're about pop culture, comics and faith. And sometimes, you know, faith just doesn't come 
up every episode, but that's a lot about who we are here at the Pulitz podcast, that there are times that it's appropriate to spend time actually talking about the issues and getting in and out of what is really going on either on the convention circuits with stuff that Hector's been doing or some of our other friends or things that we've seen, or if there's really cool storylines and comics that this is just our way of being able to get into the podcast community and into other folks. So a, we can share in our faith, but also just share encouraging notes about our faith and also things that we love just as much as anybody else that we truly hope that we're reaching a listenership that is kind of across the board that when Hector and I have lots of stuff to talk about Jesus and church and stuff like that, that, you know, we're not too overbearing, but also that it's who we are and it truly is who we are. And we just wanted to be able to share that this week, that there's lots of cool stuff that we're going to be able to do. And a lot of that comes from our time on the road at different conventions and interfacing with, well, listeners like you. And that's not even slightly cliche or anything. It's true that we, we really enjoy what we do and you you do got to just get after it with everything in your being. And I think that's a message that each and every person can, can truly take. And that's, what's really neat about being able to do this podcast. And as you've heard in some of our interviews that there are artists out there that share, um, in that vision and in that mission or just being awesome is part of who they are and part of their DNA. And it's kind of why we mentioned that article earlier that, you know, our our culture just doesn't need that. We don't need the negative side of trying to tear people down. The world does plenty of that on a day-to-day basis. And just a lot of us, especially within the faith, our goal is to just like at Love Thy Nerd, you know, our goal is to love on our nerdy neighbors and just share the light of Christ and to be all the positive things that come through that instead of just trying to tear at each other. Like we said, there's plenty of that in the world. So, you know, be light, take the opportunity. Each and every one of us are willing to have conversations, but mostly it's that all of us can really get down to our fandoms, the things that we really enjoy, but also who we are on a day-to-day basis. So like Hector said, you know, my day job is I am a pastor and I used to stand at the front counter or in the back as a manager of a comic book shop and did communications and whatnot for cons and everything. And I miss parts of those things, but my calling was to step into the church world. So we all have our purpose and we all have the different things that we want to do. And that's what we're about here at the Polis. And also just with love thy nerd and faith and fandom and Hector and I are just glad that a bunch of y'all are along for the ride. So I think that's kind of the end of this episode that that's it. Polis podcast episode 19 is now in the can and hopefully in your ears, but we couldn't possibly do any of this alone. Just as we've been saying for the last few minutes As as many of you know, we take this journey of podcast and fandom with two other amazing podcasts here on the love thy nerd podcast network. First one being humans of gaming where drew and Chris do interviews with game designers, producers, and creators, and really just get to the heart of what they do and why they enjoy creating the things that they create. And then our second show that we want to talk about is the free play podcast where Bubba, Matt and Kate give us a absolutely off the wall, but enjoyable dive into the world of general nerdiness on a weekly basis that that shows a lot of fun. 
They're a bunch of cut-ups. We enjoy them, and we just enjoy being part of this network and being able to share our faith, but also the really fun things that we see in our piece of fandom, which is, as you know, comics. So we're just really excited to have everyone here. Hector and I want to thank you all for choosing us as your primary source of all things comic booky and generally nerdy on a near weekly basis. So don't leave us hanging. Rate and review the show on your podcasting app of choice. We're on the iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and many more. If you can't find us, let us know, and you'll find us at thepolispodcast.com. So thanks for reading. Uh, reading. Thanks for listening, everybody. And remember, kids, read more comics. Seven continents is a game of risk.